It's rained almost every single day for about a month. Yeah, either that or it seems like it's Great Britain. You know, we've had a lot of fog and mist, and it sort of spits precipitation. And, of course, that's why it's so humid today. There's so much moisture in the ground. A little tiny tornado apparently touched down in Michigan over uh, somewhere near uh, Lansing-Flynn area. A lot of tornadoes uh, have been in the news lately. And... Uh, well, it's uh, interesting uh, to observe that there's uh, probably going to be more tornadoes and more violent weather and wetter uh, springs and perhaps winters. Big front page story about how they're going to be working on the storm drains here in Ann Arbor, because I don't know if you saw the photograph, but uh, part of a railroad, part of the railroad tracks that carries freight basically collapsed up near. Plymouth and Barton do yeah, heavy rain. Indeed. And I think the city is now finding out that their uh, leaf collection money-saving idea uh, is a prime example of penny-wise and pound-foolish because, let's face it, uh, when the city didn't provide that service, how many people raked their leaves into the street anyway? How much of the cloggage in the uh, city's drainage system is uh, linkable directly to Uncollected leaves. Yeah, the compost leaf situation is sort of a, I guess it involves a little extra work. And, of course, the compost, you got to get the leaves out uh, by a certain time or they start, they start to freeze. Um, frankly, I usually don't even bother. I just pile my leaves up and let them kind of mulch, as they say, in the corner. Um but it's interesting that Wednesday, uh, the precipitation in Ann Arbor was over three and a half inches in a single day. And that is, uh, from my recollection, the second largest single day precipitation total that Ann Arbor's got since they've kept track of records. And this is just one day. Right. So we're way above average for the year, probably 50% above average. And of course, this explains why there's so much flooding going on in the Mississippi. And the collision of the cold air, hot air, the Gulf air that's been coming up, and we're getting a taste of that today, it's really not that bad out there, but feels worse because it's been so damp and chilly here in May uh, this particular month. Well, and it's sort of late in the game for uh, this degree of uh, heat. Uh, usually we're a little bit more used to it than now. But it's interesting in these sort of uh, so-called natural disasters down south that... Uh, of course, require uh, you know enormous amounts of FEMA resources to uh, provide shelter and emergency services to people. We've had two decent-sized towns get hit directly with tornadoes. It's interesting to note in a uh, sort of a front-page story that I failed to put the date on of this, but it's about tornadoes. It's not uh, really that interesting, but the. Uh, Titles, uh, the article's title by uh, Kirk Johnson, Predicting Tornadoes is Still a Guessing Game. Big Storms, Bigger Questions, A Month for the Books, But Why is a Mystery. Uh, don't think there's that much mystery, in my opinion. But as far as the damage to the South, this gets back to um, development and how we develop... Uh, cities and towns around the country. Um, Ann Arbor back in the late 90s had a rainstorm in August that created enormous flooding problems 
That was back when we got five inches in one night. Mm-hmm. And what happened, of course, in the Eber White Woods area was sewage backed up through basements because the storm drains can't handle that flow of water. And this, of course, is precisely what uh, this front page story in Ann Arbor was talking about regarding storm drain capability. This sort of infrastructure's got to be probably rebuilt all over the country. And it's interesting that down south, the population of the south grew 14.3% over the last decade, according to the Census Bureau, compared to 97 for the nation as a whole. Of the states that were hit hardest by the tornadoes this year, these were among the fastest growing, notably Texas and North Carolina. Much of the new construction, this is what's interesting, took place in flat areas of floodplain, meteorologists say, where rains from storms in years past spread across the earth and either evaporated or were absorbed. Now, when the water, of course, is absorbed into the earth, it ends up flowing down through the earth and ending up in the water table, the aquifer, so to speak. Percolating down. Percolating down. This is how we get fresh water. And, of course, there are areas of the Texas... Kansas uh, variety that ironically are experiencing record drought. Mm -hmm. This has been uh, reported extensively, interestingly enough, on business shows because it's uh, the wheat commodity prices have skyrocketed. And this is going to have an impact on global food supplies and prices this year that will affect the entire globe. Uh, The business community is hoping that Ukraine and Russia pick up some slack But we remember last year, they had fires and record heat, and the wheat couldn't be planted. And, of course, wheat is relevant because it's how we make bread, pancakes, donuts, biscuits, biscuits. Of course, donuts are Homer Simpson's favorite. I don't think he could live without them. And, of course, pasta. Uh, Most people don't know that, but pasta is basically wheat. Fields of wheat, 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 cream of wheat. Yes, Woody Allen, Love and Death. <laughs> One of my favorite movies. But anyway, the water now, uh, quoting the article again from Kirk Johnson, now runs across pavement, yep. seeking lower ground, rendering more vulner- uh, areas more vulnerable to flooding. And, of course, this is precisely what happened in Ann Arbor back in uh, 99 when we had the sewage drain backups. No many, place for that water to go naturally. Yeah, and many people don't realize this, but uh, 50, 60 years ago, the western edge of the city of Ann Arbor was 7th, 7th Street on the old west side. And if you think about all the businesses that exist between Pauline and Maple and Jackson Maple, What do they have? All huge parking lots. Mm -hmm. It's a shopping mecca. You can practically find uh, half the Standard & Poor's uh, retail index out there somewhere. Burger and Belch Avenue. Yeah, it's it's all over the place, and we don't need to name all all the spots. But what's interesting is that the actual high spot in the city of Ann Arbor is Pauline and Maple. So when that water hits the pavement, it's got to go somewhere. And where does it go? Down into West Park for one place. West Park, um, White Woods, Miller and First, um, and Eber White Woods, where they had uh, enormous problems on uh, a particular street called Dartmoor, 
where I think I heard that about half the houses had sewage backups into yeah. the actual houses themselves. And, of course, this is why the last couple of years there's been this massive construction project um, on Stadium Boulevard between 7th mm-hmm. and Maple, in which, if you were carefully looking, what they were actually doing was putting in new storm drains, huge storm drains, to be able to carry that capacity. Now, we're fortunate here in the city of Ann Arbor because people have had some vision, and it's an example, once again, of government. City council makes all kinds of blunders that relate to parking structures and downtown development and whatnot, but uh, the infrastructure underneath the ground is sometimes uh, just as important, and that requires money, requires taxes, the price we pay for civilization. Indeed. So uh, so that's my curmudgeon part of the Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> and now for your regularly scheduled program. <laughs> well, uh, and you know, uh, when you have these flood cycles, especially in those areas along the Mississippi, and you mentioned the floodplains in Texas, Arkansas, Missouri, etc., uh, it's astonishing that people beguile themselves or allow themselves to be beguiled to build a home or a dwelling in a floodplain. Yeah. I mean, there must be some sort of uh, pricing incentive uh, to make the land affordable or something, but uh, it's pretty uh, ludicrous to uh, throw your hands up and say, oh, why did the floods come and ruin my house and my goods? Well, dude, you built in a floodplain. You build in a floodplain, and by the say? way, mobile housing structures in the tornado alley are a complete catastrophe. Uh, whether those should even be allowed or not, I don't know. But uh, look, you're not going to survive in a mobile home uh, with heavy winds. Uh, I don't know what the damage in Michigan was yesterday because it's been a holiday and the news is uh, scarce, scarcer today than normal. But. Uh, on that note, though, I wanted to, the flip side of uh, the curmudgeonly corner here today is uh, the tendency for people to uh, be overhyped about the weather. Yeah. And, for example, uh, yesterday, as the storm swept through, shops were closing. A particular grocery store uh, closed its door right in my face. Oh, we're taking shelter in the basement. There's a tornado watch. And I said, but a watch merely means that conditions exist. Yeah. Not uh, a sighting. That's a tornado warning. A warning's when you take cover. Well, we're shutting the door, sir, and we're, you know, closed for business at the moment. Well, I looked at the radar before I left, and the storm has moved on. So people Yeah, are, it's miles from here. It was miles from uh, Ann Arbor uh, at that point. And uh, all danger, any danger that uh, may have existed was past. Uh, and this goes back to the winter, too, where we had the idle and loose talk of uh, snowmageddon and snowpocalypse. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why the weather is hyped. Of course, uh, dangerous weather truly is a uh, public safety crisis situation, and it's good to have information and to share that information. But it's also uh, a little unreasonable to overreact. To overreact, I would say that the thing that is... Interesting about all the discussions of tornadoes over the last uh, several weeks is the fact that the National Weather Service now has the capability, essentially, to 
give you about a 20-minute warning. Mm-hmm. But the actual exact path of that hur- uh, tornado is unknown. It zigzags. Uh, it uh, can go anywhere. But it's not going to cause catastrophic destruction in a city like Ann Arbor. That's silly. Ann Arbor's a bit of a valley. Uh, flat areas are much more vulnerable to that sort of uh, turmoil. And uh, when you overhype warnings, uh, I'm, I'm all in favor of the warnings, but understanding the difference between the watch and the warning is very important. Yeah. And also, when you overhype warnings, you sometimes, you know, it's crying wolf exactly. once too often, and then people don't take warnings seriously. Yep. So give out warnings, quote, warnings when they're really big and important. And, uh, of course, the holiday weekend and the time that things hit, catastrophes hit, is always unknown. Speaking of incredibly bad weather, uh, Japan was hit with a typhoon right in the area where the nuclear reactor is leaking radioactive water. All over the place. And when you hear Japanese officials starting to mention Chernobyl type uh, of dead zones, you know, on a coastal area of, of an industrialized country like Japan, uh, this is frightening stuff. And of course, that was a compound natural disaster. Yeah, well, Japan is probably what, one <coughs> fifth the size of the Ukraine? Maybe. Yeah, well, if they have a 50 square mile radius of. Uh, an area of Japan that's no longer fit for um, human uh, livability. Um, That's pretty frightening. And needless to say, uh, on that note, it's interesting that Angela Merkel, the Prime Minister of Germany, announced a commitment by uh, the German nation to get rid of nuclear power by the year 2022. And we'll see if that happens. But uh, of course, the Green Party in Germany has been uh, espousing such an outlook for decades now. Yeah, it's unfortunate it takes a catastrophe to uh, wake people up to the dangers. And if uh, the Japanese have been paying attention to the late films of Akira Kurosawa, uh, this was pretty much foretold in a couple of chapters in his film Dreams, which uh, was produced by uh, Steven Spielberg and Francis Ford Coppola. In the uh, late 80s, I think. That's Mm -hmm. an overlooked film from him. Uh, Well, today, uh, it's also worth noting uh, a bit of cheery good news and typical British madcap nonsense and silliness uh, that while we celebrate Memorial Day here in the United States, uh, in Gloucester, in England, uh, today is the Cooper's Hill Cheese Rolling and Wake competitions yeah if you uh want to chuckle look at some clips of this on youtube uh i first heard about this in reading thomas pynchon's uh great novel mason and dixon in which uh, one of the main characters charles mason meets the woman who will be his wife when she saves his life uh from a giant rolling cheese which basically they roll a cheese down the hill and then everybody chases after it and it's quite a steep hill, so lots of people are falling, and there's some people being carried away by medical uh, practitioners at the bottom of the hill. Did uh, uh, Michael Palin and John Cleese make a guest appearance? No, but you can watch just uh, one clip of this on uh, YouTube, and you'll see that, yeah, this is England is a very silly place. 
Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, the Cooper's Hill Cheese Rolling Contest. Be safe if you uh, participate. Watch out for rolling cheeses. Uh, and of course, politics is getting very cheesy. Ratko Mladic, uh, you know, bizarrely arrested in Serbia. Uh, I don't know whether this brings uh, Serbia into the EU, but this seems to be the objective at this time of the Serbian government. And I love the name Ratko, R-A-T-K-O. You couldn't ask for a more appropriate name for, uh, by all accounts, a, a pretty sleazy human being. Yeah, a blustery general. Um, think John Wayne, <laughs> sort of a cross between John Wayne uh, and some of his... Uh, Vietnam movies. Uh, I guess we won't uh, go too far in the uh, <clears throat> military uh, area that, on today's show, but uh, interesting that the United States Congress just last week uh, approved a $690 billion Pentagon budget without much debate. Other than, it, interestingly, by the way, the uh, amendment uh, proposed by uh, Representative Jim McGovern of... Uh, Massachusetts and Walter Jones, a sort of crusty old Southern Republican, advocating a speed-up of the withdrawal from Afghanistan. That makes good sense. This resolution, this amendment, got 170 Democrat votes and 26 Republican votes and failed by, I believe, 11 votes. We were talking about the special election in upstate New York last right. week, and sure enough, the Democrat won. Medicare was the main issue. Republicans, by the way, spent $3.5 million yeah. on that uh, failed campaign to uh, keep a seat in what should have been a pretty safe district for them. Uh, Christopher Lee, the shirtless wonder, uh, won that seat with 74% of the vote uh, in November of 2010. The Republican candidate, I believe, got 43%. That's a rather large decline. That's not a small percentage. That is a tsunami. Now, I think that uh, some of the pundits can overstate the uh, significance of these results a little bit. Uh, I think that the Democratic candidate, clearly from interviews, is a sensible woman, articulate, um, seem to be very well versed on the relevant issues of our era and our time, but has a reasonable perspective regarding um, what America needs to do in the future. And even encouraging to hear somebody even openly admit to uh, looking at the revenue side of the equation, putting everything on the table, including uh, Pentagon spending. So, uh, Memorial Day, what was it used, What was it called in the old days? Decoration, Decoration Day. Decoration Day. You would go to the uh, cemetery, decorate the graves of fallen soldiers, yeah. family members who'd served. Fascinating uh, article in today's New York Times regarding the history of Memorial Day. I didn't bring it in with me, but uh, well worth reading to appreciate the... Originally um, linked to uh, commemorations for the Civil War. Yeah, this, it started out as a Civil War uh, situation. Um, I distinctly remember, by the way, that the article indicated that if you compared the Civil War deaths to the uh, 
Vietnam War deaths, there would be a war memorial with four million names uh, adjusted for population. Of course, the Civil War, very complicated, but uh, almost inevitable. Wanted to recommend, by the way, in that area, an outstanding book by Eric Foner. Um, don't have the title with me, but it recently won a Bancroft Prize uh, regarding Abraham Lincoln's uh, views on race and slavery and the involvement of the issue uh, throughout his presidency leading to the uh, secession and the Fort Sumter uh, business. Foner's an excellent writer and... Uh you know, widely recognized, yeah. uh, great historian. Expert on uh, uh, Reconstruction. Mm -hmm. Part of the title has the fiery spirit in it, and uh, I'm negligent by not having the title in front of me, but I, it this is just one of those sort of spontaneous things that popped into my head. Well worth reading. Um, also demonstrating that when you secede from the Union... Uh, there's been some Texas discussion in that area. Uh, I say kick them out. Let them go. Uh, they have serious budget problems uh, in all of the hoopla about the collapse of Newt Gingrich. And, you know, he's not out of the race, but he's down. And Sarah Palin might not mind kicking, throwing him under the bus. She's on a bus tour. Indeed she is. Her financial empire is obviously... Teetering in the balance. <laughs> in need of some revenue enhancement. Well, of course, she was pretty much uh, forced to lay low in the wake of the uh, dreadful shootings um, in Arizona. Yeah. Earlier this year, her disapproval irresponsible yeah. rhetoric uh, was clearly linked mm -hmm. to uh, the violence, if not the uh, perpetrator himself, just that sort of atmosphere of uh, negative discourse. Uh, but uh, she's got to keep her name out there and milk that 15 minutes just a little bit longer. Of course, the irony is that her tour follows on the heels of a book just released by a former aide, a staffer of hers, who basically ran flack for her during her brief tenure as Alaska's governor. Uh, and the book is not a favorable one uh, regarding her track record as a public servant. Uh, well, in the news, big time, because she bought this house in Arizona. Right. And uh, $1.7 million house. This sort of Obama, uh, Osama bin Laden style looking compound. Uh, <laughs> Where there is no TV or radio, only a Twitter feed. She's Twittering, she's tweeting. No, she's driving a bus. Yeah, well, uh, let's hope that she comes to a red light uh, right across the vehicle uh, featuring Michelle Bachman yeah. as driver. Since she might can, run her over. They can have a chicky race, good old-fashioned Rebel Without a Cause-style chicky race. If only Michelle Bachman knew how to drive a Harley. <laughs> Apparently that's going to be a new uh, prerequisite to run as a Republican. To be the badass. I think Paul Lente is a Harley guy these days. <laughs> Well, Malcolm Forbes used to uh, like to rough it up with a little leather and biker uh, motif. <clears throat> Sadly, he's long gone now, though, and I think he had a different party outcome in mind than uh, yeah than these folks. But uh, hey, who knows? Um, in fact, uh, Stephen Kirschgeisner, uh, writing in the Financial Times, uh, mentions that uh, there are currently three factions of the Republican Party: the Tea Party, 
the evangelicals and the pro-business establishment. And that Michelle Bachman seems to speak uh, most strongly uh, for the, the first two and not the last. But I have a sneaking suspicion that uh, it'll be that pro-business establishment at the end of the day who tries to salvage uh, some sort of redeemable uh, candidate out of this hodgepodge of ne'er-do-wells and shortcomers. <laughs> yeah, the silly party, the very silly party and the... Very, very silly party. Uh, Bachman and Palin, of course, I think, compete for the same constituency. Yes. And it strikes me that there's a sort of a, a rivalry underneath the surface. You can feel it. You can sense it. Um, Let the self-destruction begin. That's what that's what I say. I want to see some mud wrestling. <laughs> Uh, and I don't say this as a misogynist, because after all, as H.L. Mencken once said, a misogynist is a man who hates women as much as they hate each other. Actually, more than they hate each other. But anyway, um, <clears throat> Palin, uh, Bachman, I think, is is uh, sort of being not thrown under the bus, but hung out to dry. Yeah. Um, I think she wants to get into the race, but she wants to hear Sarah Palin give a I or nay. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm, that's my sense. Um, Paul Lenti seems to be still grounded in a, in a balloon or something. He doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And of course, Romney's got so many problems. It's difficult to know where to begin with his campaign, but uh, it strikes me that the political punditry in Washington, the sort of the talking heads, uh, the conservatives that are on television, are are seeing this as a Paul Enti huntsman uh, romney race with uh, Newt Gingrich uh, doing the usual, leading from behind. Leading with his behind, that is. He will stay in the race, as will Ron Paul, with his uh, iconoclastic uh, viewpoints on economics and social questions. Uh, his problem on social questions is he does not endear himself to the evangelical wing of the Republican Party <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. Strangely, though, neither does Newt, uh, because yeah. he has that sort of Elvin Toffler future shock, you know, Mad professor, sort of, mm -hmm. uh, in a way not too dissimilar from Glenn Beck's delusional, I'm a history expert. Yeah. And here are my lessons. Newt has Here is this my sort blackboard. Of, right. Uh, <laughs> Newt, although he, you know, denounced uh, Ryan's uh, health care proposals as social, right-wing social engineering, that's essentially all Newt has to offer, too, is right-wing social engineering. Okay, maybe it's not so right-wing as... Uh, Ryan's, but uh, at the end of the day, he's uh, sort of a, uh, I think he would like to see himself as a gadfly, but he's uh, just sort of more of a crackerjack, fly-by-night, snake oil sort of a guy. Yeah. I don't think he has the integrity to be seen as a gadfly. Well, certainly the business wing of the Republican Party uh, wants those former governors and not Ron Paul because he, uh, frankly talks quite a bit of nonsense about economics. I think on intervention issues, he's pretty good. I mean, the liberals can even support him there. Uh, but what's interesting about Ron Paul is he strikes me as able to stay in the race for quite some time because of his uh, Facebook uh, 
funding uh, mechanisms that uh, he's got a rabid loyal t- support minority and it is a minority it's interesting how they're all trailing none of the above uh, that may be Romney's uh, road to the nomination changing his name to none of <laughs> just gonna say legally change his name to none, none of, of the, the above, above. Uh, get a sex change become a nun <laughs> The votes are in, and we have a winner. From the Abbey, none of the above. Uh, that'll be a proud day for the Romney family. Yeah, but uh, he's he's hanging in there. He's just, uh, I don't know what his problem is. He's Well, he, he could I, just be sitting on his money and waiting until... Others you know, destruct. Others destruct, and then just sort of, you know, drop down in... Uh, he he could become the none of the above candidate literally because by default if Newt and Palin and Romney are all sort of battling I'm or uh, Ron Paul are all sort of ba- battling with this sort of strange collection of Tea Party uh, people. I always notice that Michelle Bachman, by the way, always has a tea bag as one of her props when she gives speeches, which is strange. <laughs> it's a tea bag without water, Michelle. You're supposed to put that in the water. There's so many things wrong with that. that let's just move on. <laughs> We'd better move yeah. on. I don't want to say something I'll regret here at the dinner hour. Yeah. Better move on, sort of like Jim Trussell. Uh, Jim Trussell, of course, uh, late breaking news uh, for Michigan Wolverines fans, uh, resigned today as coach of Ohio State football. Ah, uh, yes. The, and meshed uh, in a... Ma- scandal play yeah. program. Don't believe the uh, the sweater look, apparently. Uh, one ironic note that I saw on the wires was this is the first time that both Michigan and Ohio State are going to have new football coaches since 1929. Wow. Which is not a good year in American history. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it means, but... Uh, well, I suppose it has to give uh, U of M uh, football fans a uh, little breath of hope. I have no idea how the programs themselves stack up side by side. Yeah, that's big why N- you play the games. But uh, big NCAA investigations into the Ohio State situation. Of course, and, U of M has had its share of investigations with the NCAA and the basketball program. Yeah. Uh, so these things happen in the strange, murky world of professional amateur sports. Yeah. Lots of problems with that. Uh, Another interesting sort of late-breaking story uh, that I just wanted to mention, uh, President Zuma uh, of South Africa is uh, trying to negotiate a ceasefire with respect to the Libyan um, Hmm. war, and uh, I kind of hope he succeeds. By the way, over the weekend, a rather famous um, figure in South African Israeli politics died. Arthur Goldreich uh, uh, died over the weekend. We'll have more on him. He actually uh, was a incredible ally of Nelson Mandela and uh, sheltered him uh, for times. He owned a farm out in the boonies somewhere. Actually, the obituary says 10 miles uh, north of Johannesburg. A farm called Lyle's Leaf 
in the Ravonia area. So he was an incredible ally to Nelson Mandela, who uh, Zuma is sort of connected from that whole history. And I'll have more details on his this this figure uh, in a couple of weeks because I've read some other.